0: A double A to a, or triple A to a double A plus you know it's this is a tipping point about our conversations on the debt limit and over the last long time you know it's been predicted that our fiscal deterioration has just been it's been predicted that this is, this is the way it's going to go so the federal deficit for example has increased from 3.7% of our gross domestic product in 2022 to be predicted to be 6.9% in 2025, Dave. So that means that 6.9% of our economy is doing nothing but going towards the deficit spending, which contributes to our debt load. That's a lot. That's a lot. And, you know, in all of this, our debt-to-GDP ratio is expected to rise from 112.9% this year to 118.4% by 2025. And this is 2.5 times the AAA median of 39.3% of GDP. So if you have AAA and you're in the middle of the of the AAA pack of countries that, that have a AAA rating, you're at 39.3%. And we're predicted to be at 118.4%. And what this... Again, goes towards is we're we're spending money that we don't have, and this is creating this situation to where they're looking at our country just like they would if you you and I sat across from a lender, and they said, "Well, what's his credit credit rating?" And they're going to give you a score on that based on your ability to pay things back. That's right. And and you're going to have um, if you have a good credit score, you're going to be able to borrow money at a lower rate. If you have a bad credit score, it's going to cost you more.
1: Okay. So I'm assuming that when we went to 2A, it meant that to borrow money is going to cost us it's more money. It's going
0: to cost us more. And so what does that mean? Well, that means that there's going to have to be conversations that about how do we get our fiscal house in order. And much of it is systems, is about the way we produce our budget, the way we spend our money. And... What does this mean, though, for the average American? Because there are those that I talk to who don't care what the debt is, who don't care what the deficit spending is. They, they're they
1: Keynesian.
0: Yeah, they're very. That is, that's right. They're Keynesian. They think that you just keep on producing the money, uh, you know, printing it, and it's going to be. It's all going to be fine. Well, you know, we we have conversations right now about some countries they even want to move away from the American dollar, mm-hmm. and so that's going to cause problems. But really, with, what does this mean? Well rise in interest rate is definitely another uh, way that they will possibly attempt to to work on this, which means I had a conversation with uh, a younger person over the weekend, and they're concerned about their ability to have a quality of life that their grandparents had or their parents had. And They talk about how difficult it is to buy cars now, to buy houses now, and they point to the interest rates. And they're like, you know, we've kind of hit every bad wave in our in in our uh, generation. They're like, we've hit every bad wave, and this. But yet, they would also argue that the government should spend more money in these certain pet things that they enjoy, right? But this contributes. You know, that's what's so difficult sometimes is to connect the dots from the erosion of your quality of life back to government. Now, sometimes it's a pretty direct link. But at times, like lately, it's been a very straight line. Yeah, very straight line to it. But rising interest rates is something that could definitely happen, increasing the cost of the federal government, because they're going to have to pay more money for the money they borrow. And we already know that we're tens and tens and tens of trillions of dollars in debt. And no one wants to really address that in a significant way. So higher interest rates, increased cost to the federal government. So all the things that they produce in goods and services, even the things that people may like are going to cost us more as as an American people, which means they have to borrow more money at a higher rate, Mm -hmm. or they have to either figure out how they can start bringing deficit spending down and address the debt. And we can talk about that in a minute too, but under Biden, for example, regarding the debt, Biden has increased the debt by at least seven point two trillion since he's taken office. Now Trump was seven point eight trillion, and three point three trillion of that was pre-COVID. You know, so there was that, all that money—the helicopter money that came out uh, post-COVID, and all the spending that they they put out to our hospitals, first responders, schools, et cetera, et cetera. But you're looking at—that's what. 15 trillion dollars in the past eight years roughly less than eight less than eight years and again fitch who does this rating looks at that and says i don't think this is sustainable and you're starting to see the erosion i mean it's also a point of pride that we should be a solvent country and i've often said that to friends who are debating with me about We should spend more money here. And I'm like, hey, I don't necessarily disagree that that's a good idea. But that's a conversation you can have when you're a solvent country, Mm -hmm. that you have your debts paid out and we can talk about the bells and whistles we can have. Right now, we need to get into a survivor mode of thinking. You even had, you know, every now and then, due to the craziness of, of the world, you can agree with somebody that you vehemently disagree with more often than not. And Hillary Clinton, when she was running for office, even said the national debt is a national security issue. And she didn't really believe it, but that's OK. She said it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to <laughs> s- there there's some there's some things that sure are, have a lot of other. Th- there's some things that are true to people at that moment of yes, time, yes. you know. And so I, w- I, w- I will say that she had an epiphany at that moment. But that's true, because if you look at peace and stability around the world, the U.S. is front and is paying for peace you know we're spending a lot of money out there i don't know any other countries out there in this case that are raising tax money from their citizens and sending them to the united states you know we are the one that that are doing this but this is not a sustainable path we need to this has foreign policy implications to it this has uh, military preparedness implications to it all the way up and down the down the line
1: we were all concerned back in the turn at the turn of the century. 21st century about uh, how much money this country owed and how much money in debt we were and we 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 started having some solid talks about changing that and then it all went out the window you know when when COVID came it definitely went out the window but even before then it went out the window when Obama was elected he just he just turned his back on it. Well, you got to have national health care. Well, national health care is expensive. It's way expensive. Yeah. And it's cost us an arm and a leg thus far.
0: Well, it didn't control costs. All it did was create a piggy bank for insurance. Mhm. That's all it did. And so it didn't control for the costs. And and what we're seeing is that costs of things should be going down in healthcare. And this is part of this conversation about deficit spending and our investment. America spends a lot of money in health care. Um and going from a double A rating to a or from a triple A rating down to a double A plus rating is again requires that there's probably going to be a raise in interest rates and it's going to cost the federal government more to provide the goods and the services that it does provide, even even the ones you agree with. But healthcare is one of those spaces that they've talked about, you know, how do we how do we possibly rethink health care to lower federal deficits?
1: You know, the best way they could rethink health care is get government out of it.
0: Yeah. I mean there there is policies out there, like in Arkansas, you have direct primary care opportunities to where you can partner with a physician, you pay a subscription and you get your primary health care taken from them. It's like owning a Netflix account. It's cheap. They're doing it at the, at the cost that it costs them. Um, and you can pay out of pocket really easy. And the things that you need, you can say, Hey, I want that thing. I want that thing. I want this test. It's want more, that. Risk more Yeah. You can pick what's necessary and they will give you, they will give you that price. Now, that isn't widely adopted across the United States, but it, it is one of those ways. There's so many ways that free market supply side health care, demand side health care even could be structured to make it to where you can pay out of pocket more. You know, and by more, not more in dollars, but you're like, ah. Well, it's going to cost me hundreds of dollars less to pay for this, you know, out of pocket. So there's a whole conversation about that, and we that we can get down on. But you know, controlling health care. Um, there's also conversation about Social Security reforms. There are you know, everybody pays into Social Security, so even if you're multi millionaires, billionaires, you will still get you know some Social Security payments out of that. That's like that doesn't make sense. There's also conversations about how social security we're gonna if you take the money you pay into social security and you were to invest it normally you will probably have a much greater return and you'd be living you know i've
1: been saying that for a
0: long time a better quality of life in the market than you would in this guaranteed minimum because when i look at what social security is going to pay me out projected to pay me out if it exists um when i retire it's I'm looking at what I'm getting on my 401ks and, you know, my mutual funds and things like that. And I'm like, I would be much better off to put that amount of money into, you know, into, um, into the market as opposed to that. So again, there's risks and there's trade-offs and all those kind of things. Those happen. But in general, there are ways of restructuring this to where it's, it takes care of the needs of our people but it also takes the burden, the, this financial burden off of the government and puts it back into the hands of the people. More decisions to be made by you than for you. Greater opportunity for you.
1: All right. Ryan Norris will be back with us in the next hour as well. He is the state uh, director of the uh, Americans for Prosperity chapter here in Arkansas. The taxpayers. We have allowed them to spend inordinate amount of money and uh, that money comes from us. I mean, that's, that's, where they, that's where they get the money from. And now they've not only mortgaged us, they've mortgaged our children and our grandchildren. Uh, our, our grandchildren already are, are being required or going to be required to pay back because it's going to take that long. It's like having a credit card. You run a credit card up and the the interest rate when you first got the credit card was oh well, let's just say it's zero because that's what that's how they suck you in a lot of times exactly you know you get 1 year of 0% uh interest well guess what that's because you haven't charged anything so they're not losing money if if there's nothing there for you to pay on but let's say you got that that card and now you're trying to make ends meet and because of inflation you're having a hard time um you know making your your payments so what what do you do well hey i could i'll just put the uh i put the water bill on my credit card
2: and it all starts i'll small. drop
1: it on i'll drop that on there and i'll pay it off monthly problem is you don't pay it off monthly no. and it starts building up and as it builds up let's say you get through that first year And now you didn't used to have anything on that credit card. Now let's just say you got $600 on it. $600, that's not a lot of money, all right? $600, not a lot of money. But now your interest rate is tied to prime. Yeah. And so it's going to be, let's say, 21%. That means that that $600, you add up, 21 cents on the dollar suddenly it's just not a, a little payment anymore it's a lot more and so you start paying this money back but let's say you can only pay the minimum payment yeah well what's going to happen is that because of the the amount of money that uh, you're paying on your bill because of the of the interest rates on it making the minimum payment May be that you're not even paying the minimum for to get you know pay on the principal. You're not hitting the principal, so they keep adding on, and you keep getting farther behind. That's what our our country's doing right yeah. now. That's exactly what our country is doing right now, and we're getting further and further and further and behind. If everybody remembers, if I can t- drag you back to 2010. All right, I'll drag you back. I know I'm. I got to grab you by the ear and say, "Come on, come on!" I want you to remember something, and I take you back to 2010. What were we arguing about then? We were arguing about what our, um, you know, how much money did did we already spend? What was our debt? And we were all freaking out because we were. I forget what it was was it, that we were moving in on. On $10 trillion or something like that. Did we
2: have the T word going back then?
1: I can't even remember now. It might have been in billions. I don't know. But we got into the trillions of dollars now. And we got got sideways at it. And instead of getting done what we wanted to get done with the Tea Party, because remember that's what got the Tea Party going, uh, was that uh, you – well, number one, both of the parties at that time really didn't want to play the same game that we wanted to play and, and get things that, you know paid down. And now we find ourselves, you know, way, way behind. And some of the things that we want to do, uh, it's going to take a long time to do it. Oh. That's why I was trying. We were talking with Ryan and I want people to understand There's going to be pain involved in this. There's going to be a lot of uh, programs that we have that, uh, you know, the government shouldn't be doing in the first place, but secondly can't afford to do, and we're going to have to quit doing them. For some people, that's going to be terrible for them. It's just going to – seriously, it's going to be terrible for them.
2: and especially people who have been – it's just like with um, Medicaid and different things. People have generationally grown up to just believe that you're entitled to that, um, you know, or on disability and they've grown up in a household that everyone's on disability. And it's become just like a family cycle of things and those people are gonna be smacked in the face because they've they have had no other expectations. Like we don't, most. that's why we don't appreciate a lot of the younger people making noise right now don't appreciate two thousand eight, you know, different things or the depression and different huge financial crashes because we haven't endured them. But
1: what do they want? I mean what All do they these want? Extras. They they want us to pay their college loans. Right. You wanna know something? I I don't intend to pay your college loans. No.
2: And the problem is unless we really pay attention to what our Elected leaders vote on and how they Vote and how they're dealing With things you know we may elect Someone that you know Makes us pay for that or Somehow is making us pay for that I think they Need to audit like The whole I think they need to audit Everything including the Fed And find out a list of Where the discretionary spending is going I mean some of the stuff may be Obsolete at this point
1: well I'm I'm Just looking at for instance these Three bills that that Ryan was talking about. Senate Bill 772, Responsible Budget Tar- Targets Act of 2023. The bill aims to establish comprehensive statutory budget ta- uh, targets to phase out deficits, excluding in- interest. Over time, it promotes policy stability over the business cycle and requires an on- offset for emergency funding. Then you got Senate... Uh, but we've got Joint Resolution 19, Principles-Based Balanced Budget Amendment. There's a pro- proposal sets out broad principles for a balanced budget. Well, well said and good. I don't like that they want to make it a joint resolution. I want to see them make it a bill. Right. Joint resolutions are just that. So resolution. It's not a bill. It doesn't force you to do anything. And then last, Senate Bill 135, Prevent Government Shutdowns Act. I like this a lot. But here's the key. We've got to pass this stuff to make us right. do it. We have got to be made to do it. If we keep going the way we are, we're going to be bankrupt. And it, when we when we go under, the, uh, world under. the whole world goes under. Yeah, it's, you know the uh, European Union's going to go under yeah. because they d- they depend on us. Uh, Japan, China will go under. They, oh, know, they, they, they know they—they know they're not stupid. <laughs> Russia's not stupid either. But they know this: if that much chaos is created, their chances of being in charge after it's over right. with is very possible. All you got to look at is how many how many people believe in the Chi-Coms right now, right, and are working with them. How many people believe in the Russians right now and are working with them to get to that point?
2: Well, that Hunter Biden deal, even I mean, you're lobbying for the Chinese to have access to our energy, um, you know, area, and, and actually wanting them to have a part of a portfolio, as it says. I mean, anyone lobbying for, what any I think any other country really, other than our own, but lobbying for someone who's completely adversarial to us, um, I I just don't get it, and I don't think that a I think it should be exposed for one thing, you know, that what's going on. And I mean, and I just use Hunter because I had just heard about the emails that came out about the Chinese thing. But, you know, we we need to find someone who's willing to take a political hit when you cut these programs because that's probably what's going to happen. Well, let me tell
1: you what. The hit is not going is not going to be one party. Right. It will be across both parties. They all know for a lot of them, that their political careers might come to an end because right. of it. Do we have Do we have enough politicians that believe in the country and are willing to take those hits, or are they? Well, let the next guy around take the hit and let me get through, and so that I'm on the other side.
2: And that's I, you know That's what's been going on. That's why things like the immigration thing when. But, both parties kick, have kick had. In the can. Yeah, because it's great for elections. So finally, I mean, finally people are coming around to like, Lindsey Graham got booed the other day on stage just because, you know, because he would always talk about, well, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. And it either never happened or it managed nothing. A lot of that, it's like, at least don't promise things if you're not going to even try to get them done.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, two major think tanks now have come out urging the courts to halt the Biden administration's student loan forgiveness program. Uh, this from Fox Business, two think tanks urging a federal court to block the Biden administration's scaled back plan to cancel $39 billion in student loans. Look, if they couldn't do it for as much as they wanted to in the first place because they didn't have the constitutional authority to do it, they don't have the constitutional authority to do it in a smaller no, Mixed it's still the either. same thing. It's 30, whether it's $39 billion or $390 billion, the president of the United States doesn't sign the checks. The House does. Right. So it's up to the House to do it. Uh, in, uh, they argue that the plan exceeds the administration's authority. The lawsuit filed Friday in Michigan by the New Civil Liberties Alliance on behalf of free market think tank uh, Mackinac Center, for Public Policy, who I've worked with in the past, and the libertarian think tank, the Cato Institute. The uh, groups uh, accused the administration of overstepping its power, and it's not an accusation, they right. are overstepping are their stopping. power, in and, and announcing student loan debt relief for 800,000 borrowers worth $39 billion. A plan the Department of Education rolled out shortly after the Supreme Court struck down a broader student loan handout plan Pushed by President Biden, Friday's lawsuit requested for a judge to rule the latest debt forgiveness plan as illegal and to block the Department of Education from carrying it out until the case is decided. I couldn't agree with it more. Right? If it was if it was illegal before uh, that, the Supreme changing Court had the to step in. Changing the amount doesn't make it legal.
2: No, and think of the precedent. I mean. We already, I mean, we. it's illegal that they have said that. But think about the precedent it would set if they could. Because think of the other things that you could, the government could forgive and how they could lobby different interest groups to, free, you know, either mortgages or landlords or renters or different things like that. I mean, it would just snowball.
1: Yeah, it's called buying votes. Right. That's exactly what it's called. I just had somebody send to me that uh, back in 2010... The uh, In fact, it was Pat Davis that sent this in information to me. Uh, and he sent this to me. And he said, uh, the debt at the end of 2010 was $13.5 trillion. And we were all freaking out about it. Right. I mean, seriously so. freaking out about it. Today, it's $32 trillion.
2: That's just insane. I
1: want you to think about it. that's that's uh, just a little over a few more, uh, just a few years longer than from 2000-2010. Alright, we're talking the difference between 10 years and 13 years. $32 trillion today, almost $100,000 owed to the federal government per American.
2: You no, know, it's like the government is a machine at this point. You know, it's it's basically the, the government's over its over its skis, as far as I'm concerned, with, and you know, both sides do it. The people who are up there lobbying, I mean, you know, it's all about either a slush fund for your place, a kickback to somebody, or it's something earmarked, or you know, for your state that they get, and it's just never ending. And there's there's a lot of corruption going on. And we talk about Joe Biden, at, but I would assume if people really looked into you know politicians on both sides corruption's been touched you know it's touched them all but and then you know that's one of the i think one of the issues with i don't really like the idea of term limits because of the fact if someone's doing a great job and you want them to continue you know like johnson um but yeah there needs to be something so that these people aren't just lifelong politicians yeah, and that's what they live well, for let's,
1: is let's be honest about it. The power. The only way it will happen is Ameri- the American people will demand that it happens. If folks will remember there was a time where uh states were passing laws saying that somebody couldn't serve longer than X amount of years <clears throat> And uh, because of that, uh, that that was it for them. And a lot of those were found unconstitutional. I mean, especially when they got into talking about, you know, you might be able to, might be able to do that with a state elected official, but that's not what you could do with a federally elected official because the Constitution says as long as you're of such an age, and as long as uh, you're voted for, you can be elected and that you can stay in that position as long as people people are, elect you yeah. to be in that position. And uh, because they wanted the ballot box to be the decider. But the founders never thought that people would want to stay. I, b- I believe they didn't. No, they didn't believe I don't this. Think they they wanted them to stay forever uh, in there. They wanted them to go back and do whatever it was that they did uh, for uh, for work,
0: you well, know, work on the farm
1: or whatever. Yeah, now. Done now they make they make it a a career, and they they work uh, in a career way uh, to hold the position. And the only way that that can be changed, because we did pass laws in states saying that a uh, congressman could only serve four terms right. or eight years, maybe five terms, ten years. And the Supreme Court struck it down because it's unconstitutional. So what does that mean? That means that if we want to change it, now you've got to go through uh, the provisions for getting a constitutional amendment yeah. passed. That says that you can only serve x amount of years as an elected official, and let me tell you what when you start to get getting in there and and messing with other people's uh uh you know being in in a position of authority, they don't want to give it up
2: no and i mean really if you're if the people have faith in you and you are elected. You know, I believe you should. But, I mean, I don't believe the founders ever thought that we'd have what we have going on right now for our representatives.
1: I don't think the founders ever thought that people like Dianne Feinstein, no. that can hardly even keep her head up in the uh, the Senate, would continue to keep running for office. Almost 100 people, Just this just came to me, almost 100 people in the United States and, Aust- and Australia have so far been arrested over child sexual abuse allegations after the fatal shooting of two FBI agents led to the unraveling of a suspected international pedophile ring. The Australian Federal Police said that 19 men had been arrested on charges of sharing child abuse material online while at least 13 children were rescued from further harm as a result of a joint operation with the FBI, dubbed Operation Bacchus. The development brought the total number of people arrested as part of the joint probe up to 98, with at least 79 arrests so far carried out by the FBI, according to the Australian agency. The joint investigation began after two FBI agents investigating the alleged pedophile ring were fatally shot in 2021 while executing a search warrant in Sunrise, Florida for a man suspected of being in possession of child abuse material. The agency noted all of this in a press release. Special agents Daniel Alphen and Laura Schwarzenberger were fatally shot and three other agents uh, agents were wounded while the gunman, David Lee Huber, 55, was also killed. The Australian agency said the coordinated probe was formally launched in 2022 after the FBI provided the Australian Center to counter child exploitation with intelligence about Australian individuals suspected of being part of a peer-to-peer network allegedly sharing child abuse material on the dark web. The Australian suspects are between the ages of 32 to 81 years old, the Federal Police Agency said. So far, two have been sentenced. Most of the Australian suspects were employed in occupations that required a high degree of knowledge on Internet networks, the agency said. Members use software to anonymously file uh, share files, chat on message boards and access websites within the network. Some were also accused of having produced their own child abuse materials to share with members of the network. Viewing, distributing, or producing child abuse material is a horrific crime, and the links that these alleged offenders went to in order to avoid uh, detection makes them especially dangerous. The longer they avoid detection... The longer they can perpetrate the cycle of abuse, the success of Operation Bacchus demonstrates the importance of partnerships for law enforcement at a national level here in Australia, but also at an international level. According to uh, the lady that uh, heads up their uh, national police department, we are proud of our long-standing relationship with the Australian Federal Police resulting in 19 Australian men facing criminal prosecution as a result of our collaborative investigation. FBI legal attache Natina Mann said in a separate statement, The complexity and the no- an- anonymity of these platforms means that no agency or country can fight these threats alone. As we continue to build bridges through col- uh, uh, corrobor- corroboration, and teamwork, we can ensure the good guys win and the bad guys lose. She said that 43 people had been convicted of child abuse offenses in the U.S. as part of the investigation that, according to the AP, the FBI had also alerted other countries to suspects within their jurisdictions, Mann said, according to the AP, but did not name those countries. Now, you hear that story and you think that, wow, that I, that gives me some real, some real uh, optimism about this. No. And then you know what I think about? I think about these people that are out there, and if you're one of these people, you know, uh, I'm just going to tell you, you're a scumbag. Yeah. Uh, bottom line that you don't want us to call these people pedophiles. You want them, we want minor, minor attractive people
2: and If they think if they keep saying that over and over again we'll eventually take to this was just you know it's a feel good story in that well I don't even know if you could call it a feel good story because that's just the tip of a huge iceberg if you start investigating for pedophiles and it's amazing how many years you'll get for crimes that, with money but crimes against other humans like especially children you don't get the time that you would if you would have just robbed a bank I mean it's it's ridiculous and yeah i i think that with the sound of freedom and how bad the movie the sound of freedom and how bad you see certain people and certain groups try to take away from the truthfulness of that that really is going on you know so so you get a hundred people just think of how many other people there are it's just like drug dealers they fill a vacuum you know more of them and more of them especially producing their own and trafficking is at an all-time high basically human slavery i mean it's it's disgusting
1: well it's it it, it truly is and for you there's some of you who are are perpetuating this because you say well that's the way these people are born i mean i've i have argued this point for years now when they started saying that about homosexuals that that's the way they're born. God made them that way. No he didn't. He did not make people that way. Uh it, it, it did not happen that way. But uh Something people people buy, yeah, people bought into it. People ag- agree to it. And as soon as you agree to that, then anybody, no matter how they act, that's the way they were born. And they can't control it. And 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 we've you know, you we're supposed to accept it. Well you, That's you the way hear, it is. That's what we're hearing from transsexuals now.
2: I used to hear, you know, people say on the Christian side that God doesn't make any mistakes. He created everyone, you know, beautifully. And, yeah, but we, these people have obviously through some kind of trauma that maybe somebody was disgusting did to them or through something in their mind but there's something going on there that's not right. You just don't come out. It's, it's not natural even and they're trying to make us believe that things are natural that are not so, we, so you know, gullible and this is our last bridge if we let them.
1: Bible says that in the end that the pe- people would call good evil and right. evil good and that's where we're at now.
2: Eric and I were talking about that.
1: That's where we're at now. It's it's happening. It's yeah. happening. All right. Uh, here's another reason to vote against Democrats. House Democrats reintroduced legislation, and I promise I'll ask Hill and Westerman about this tomorrow, uh, that would impose a 1,000% excise tax on semi-automatic assault weapons and high-capacity magazines. Representative Don Beyer, Democrat of Virginia, introduced the legislation Friday, along with 24 other House Democrats. New bill, H.R. 5135, is titled, quote, to amend the Internal Revenue Code of 1986 to impose an additional 1,000% excise tax on the sale of large-capacity ammunition-feeding devices and semi-automatic assault weapons and for other purposes. And AR-15, the best-selling U.S. rifle, according to NPR, uh, can cost between $400 for a basic model to more than a couple grand for a higher-end model. The new tax proposal would increase those prices to a range of $4,000 to $20,000 dollars. Byer introduced a similar bill last session, his assault weapons excise tax, which had 41 co-sponsors, uh, all Democrats. Under that measure, the definition of what would have qualified as an assault weapon under the act would be a center fire semi-auto rifle, shotgun, or pistol uh, that can accept a detachable magazine and has any one of a list of standards. Features, this So the Democrats are doing what they want to keep your eyes open on Republicans that might want to cross the aisle.
2: And this is how they take our choices. So they can't, you know, they would argue yeah, you tax still you have out of your them. freedoms. You know, and it's like how gentrification and different things, you know, pricing people out of affordable housing and things like that. So we're still under that illusion that we have choices and freedom, even if they're not. It's like it's like sometimes your insurance copay. Before your insurance kicks in, you know, it's like by that time you've, you're already wrecked financially sometimes if you don't have good insurance. But yeah, this is how they take our choices away. And we need to pay attention to Republican to, oh, I just want to create some kind of unity between the parties. Yep. No, you need to step back from that when it comes to. Our I can rights. just
1: about guess. How Congressman Hill and how Congressman Westerman will react to this—it ain't no way it's going to happen. It's on their watch, but uh, it will be—it's going to be interesting because there are some uh, Republicans that say, "Well, I'm in such a purple zone that maybe just by saying that I'll go along with this, then we, you know, people won't vote against me." Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's something that they do. All right, we've got uh, about uh, about 14 minutes until 10. We need to get a break in. Simone and I will be back. We've got more to talk about. I mean, there's more yeah. news out there to, for us to sit and talk about. If you want to get involved in the conversation, the phone lines are open. Uh, 501-823-0965. 501-823-0965. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Don't forget about PI Roofing they're out there ready to help you uh roof your house get you in line and get it done for you work with your insurance agency and and all the different things that need to be done so that you get a, jo- a job done that's professional and is uh you know bankable and you know, a- ability to afford what uh, is being done they'll give you a little a little uh, card If you call them out and ask them to come out and take a look at your roof, and the first thing they're going to tell you is report your damage to your insurance and start a claim. Most of you probably have done that. But then what you should do is inform them that PI Roofing and Construction is going to be your preferred contractor. When that happens, that means that PI Roofing then will document the process with pictures for you and your insurance company. They're going to inform you about the adjuster's visit. Uh, if the project manager is available, they'll meet the adjuster. They've always done that for me. The adjuster comes out to look at the house from the insurance company, and uh, they're up on the up on the uh, roof, and uh, PI Roofing's up there with them saying, yeah, there's that place and all these places here and, and shows all of them to them. Send the adjuster's estimate to PI Roofing. The insurance issues a check minus depreciation and deductible. Uh, They'll pay it. uh, We'll pay. You'll pay uh, the deductible, and uh, PI Roofing will get it all done. Once they can get all this started, it's a pretty fast and easy process to over to to, to overcome and to do. All you got to do is give them a call. Talk to the folks at PI Roofing. Have them be your uh, your construction, your preferred contractor uh, for your roof. It's 501-707-3115. 501-707-3115. Do the way I do. Call that number and let PI Roofing take care of the rest for you. All right, so a witness who recorded a video of 2 Seven Eleven employees in Stockton, California, you may have seen this video. I have. It's pretty great. Uh, attempting to thwart uh, or a uh, would-be robber from mugging their store called the employees courageous, adding that they did the right thing. Police are currently investigating to seek employees for, are you ready for this? <laughs> Suspected assault. Suspected. Although no arrests have been made. Stockton police told news the suspect had gone into the same 7-Eleven during the same 24-hour time period and stole items. Lewis Benton, who recorded the, uh, they say a whooping here, on his uh, way, stopped for gas at the 7-Eleven on his way home Saturday morning to buy a Red Bull. Benton witnessed a man in a blue mask dumping cigarettes into a giant trash can. Ridiculous. At one point, the suspect threatened to shoot the people inside. Yep. Benton, a lifelong resident of California, told the news the shuffle and then uh, the scuffle was caused by pent-up frustrations from dozens of prior robberies at the 7-Eleven. He said that a group of individuals who routinely gather outside the 7-Eleven at night, and then they rob the store.
2: Brazenly.
1: That store has been probably robbed dozens of times. They're dealing with a lot of issues and problems. Thieves gather there at night, and they walk in and take things. That's not the first time I've seen something in that store, this person said. Benton. I believe the workers were frustrated, emotions were high, But I believe they did what uh, was courageous and did the right thing. Instead of taking a gun or taking something that would really harm them, and I'm glad the guy hit them below the belt, not above the belt, but also to, you know, uh, has come to a point where I know it was enough. So, you know, I wanted to make sure that everyone made it home that night. Everyone was safe and no one made a decision to take them completely to jail or for life or lose a life, he continued. Benton, the business owner of Stay Winning, a clothing boutique in the area, understands the frustrations that erupted in the Seven Eleven When he first opened up his store, his windows were smashed and his store was robbed. We go into grocery stores and we see it all the time. So some people come in with a backpack and start putting things into a backpack, then they just walk out. And then the security can't touch them, you know, by law. Why by law? Laws need to be changed, don't they? So the only thing you do is call the authorities. But authorities are so busy with other things, that's more important. So they choose what's important and what's not important. In the case of the Saturday attempted robbery, the suspect uh, squeezed by one of the Sikh workers as he was robbing the store... And the two locked arms and began to scuffle. Then a second employee with a stick walked up to the suspect and began beating him it with it. It was great. Spanking him. He was threatening them in a way, said Benton. The suspect briefly pulled what appeared to be a knife out of his pocket. After that, i got to tell you, if I'd been the guy and I'd only been hitting below the waist, yeah. I started hitting above the waist at that point. Yeah self-defense. Uh, it's just been catastrophic in a way, said Benton, about soft on crime policies, especially for his own boutique. We've been in Stockton for about a month, and so when we first got there, the first week we were burglarized. Someone broke the window, went in, took items. So we are affected, too, from what's been going on. Benton said store owners should do their best to prevent robberies through security cameras, metal bars, and other preventive means. I'm here and work to weather the storm. I'm here to stay and I hope the community wants to be here with us and we want to make sure that we always have a great mindset of winning. You know, you pull a knife and you do that in Arkansas. All right. You're gonna they're probably gonna take you carry you out feet first. Yeah. Because at that point, that's self-defense.
2: Well, there are times when giving it may be somebody a— And maybe why we
1: don't see a lot of that around here.
2: Right. Giving someone a butt kick and could save their life because rather than getting shot, somebody, you know, kicked their butt and did what took them off that peg where they felt like they were entitled and invincible and realized, oh, I might have some kind of uh, consequence for what I do. I mean, third time in the same day, and you hear the guy in the background saying— Just don't worry about it. You can't do anything about it. That was almost just frustrating to me to hear him talk, you know, and tell the people don't... You know, you can't do that. You can't do that. Well, you know... yeah, We
1: have a right to rob you. Right. We have a right to take your stuff.
2: That's what it sounded like. But, you know, with him in the background, I don't know. It was just so frustrating. And it was... I mean, it was just funny how he wasn't trying to kill him, but he was going to spank him like a bad child. And, I mean... The problem is, is I don't know how businesses stay in business if no one stands up for them or this thing where not $900 or less is not considered that big of a deal. I mean, I, I insurance companies, the rates for insurance has got to be crazy in certain parts of the country, especially California, and how do you continue a business if your inventory is depleted without any money coming in for it?
1: Well, all I can say. Isn't that the usual BS? And That's exactly what it is. I mean, this is the California legislature. They're pa- passing laws now about what you can and can't do to robbers. Yeah. See, Oops. we're back in those days of Dirty Harry. That's why I got Dirty Harry in my studio. <laughs> you know, where uh, at a time in this country, in the late 60s, early 70s, where the, where the thief had more rights than the victims and were there again. Here in our country. All right let's get into the final hour of the Dave Ellswick show today. Like I said, a lot been going on here today that uh, we need to talk about. you know you got uh, the gold star families trashing the president now and his administration over the Afghanistan withdrawal. Uh, this is a story uh, that came from the uh, Daily Wire. Uh, a number of gold star family members, laid into President Joe Biden and members of his administration, calling them out over the disastrous exit from Afghanistan that took the lives of their loved ones. At a uh, event in Escondido, uh, Flo- uh, California, hosted by Major Dane White and Representative Dara Issa, relatives of the uh, 13 service members killed by the suicide bomber at the Kabul airport on August 26, 2021, 2021, two years ago, man. Long, seems like a long time ago. Yeah. Joined together to speak publicly about their experiences. ISA introduced the event billed as the Afghanistan Gold Star Families Public Forum, saying that while they had officially allotted five minutes to each family member who wanted to speak, No one was going to enforce time limits as long as the families had something that they wanted to share. Isa also made it clear that the ultimate goal was to make sure that such a tragedy never happened again. Did they have to die? Could we have done something different? I only apologize that we didn't do it sooner. Then the family members began to speak and they had Little, of anything, positive to say about Biden and the military leaders who had been a part of the decision making process during the troop drawdown and withdrawal. And most were absolutely furious that the administration had then insisted the withdrawal had been a, quote, success.
2: Yeah, I'm a slap in the face.
1: Staff Sergeant Taylor Hoover's mother was among those who spoke, and she said that the blame for her son's death rested on the president, yeah. the chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, Mike uh, Mark Milley, Secretary of State uh, Antony Blinken, and others. Incompetent, cowards, evil, she said. So that's, uh, you know, being pretty clear about that. Hoover's father spoke as well, saying that the Biden administration Quote, did not uphold their end of that contract, unquote. This didn't need to happen in the manner that it did, he added, saying that leadership had made a conscious decision that made a chaotic and frantic withdrawal from af- Afghanistan. He went on to uh, call out those leaders, saying that it was nothing short of disgusting and ignorant that they had turned around and claimed that the withdrawal had been a success. I'm calling out Secretary Blinken, Secretary Austin, General Milley, and ultimately the President, and do what our son did and be a grown-ass man. You all need to resign immediately. Our sons and daughters have more integrity in their little toes than all of you Combined. Nicole Gee's mother said she knew no forum would ever bring her daughter back, but her goal in speaking was to make sure that the service members who came forward would be treated with the respect uh, earned by the thirteen who lost their lives that day in Kabul. When our leaders include the Secretary of Defense and Commander in Chief, called this a success. It's like a knife in the heart. These deaths were preventable. My daughter could be with us today. To call it a success is the ultimate disrespect. There were 13 avoidable deaths. This was not a success. What we were asking for, it to stop the insanity and make it better for the next group. Dylan Marola's mother called Biden heartless saying that he had claimed to know how she felt, but never once mentioned her son's name. If they had closed the gate, my son would be alive today, she added. The commander-in-chief failed in the oath that he took. He failed everybody. Humberto Sanchez's mother said, I want the answers, I want the truth, I want to know this type of failure will not repeat itself again. I will fight till my last breath to get the truth. Hunter Lopez's mother said that she believed there was more to the story and objected to the notion that it was time to, quote, turn the page. Mm -hmm. If fault was to be found in someone wearing fatigues and not a suit, They would have been on trial a long time ago, she said, adding, we do not want a partial truth or truth told in a book release. As Americans, we want this truth. As Gold Star families, we want this truth. We deserved it two years ago, and we deserve it today. Representative Issa promised... To get to the bottom of the issue saying the Biden administration lied to every one of these gold star families. Look, they sat in front of, uh, you know, committees yeah. and just lied their butts off about that. That's why we brought them forward. These are the words the White House doesn't want you to hear.
2: And that's why it seems so long ago is because they have intentionally tried to distance themselves for the success, quote unquote, uh, you know, event catastrophe, and it's disgusting. I, it's so hard to understand um, how, if the president's going to try to comfort you with his falsehoods, how, I mean, they had to sit there and deal with that. And then the way he, who knows how much they knew about what had happened at that moment, you know, just that they're, and they'd gotten letters or something that were incorrect about the, how, like their son supposedly died on impact or whatever and she later found out it wasn't true that so i mean just little details and things that you would want to know as a parent they were lied to about and just the fact that you would call something a success when lives were taken because you did not act you know i mean and have not taken any responsibility which means you don't feel like um giving the worth to these people what their children's lives meant I mean, their children. i mean, I know from having boys in the military, you know, it's—you it, would hope that whoever is putting them into certain places is going to care that those are lives, each one of those are lives. And, and just the fact that they could have gotten the suicide bomber and were ignored, you know, the guy never got the command, and then he has to live with that, too, you know, I mean, that— and you hear about the pink mist when people just, you know, blow up. Yep. And I mean, yeah, it's horrific. I don't know how you could call any of it a success.
1: No, well, there was no success there. No. It was an abysmal failure. The so best, off. the best way to know that it was an abysmal failure is to t- to see what the Taliban has done since they've taken back over control oh. of Afghanistan. Uh, the best way to see that is all the billions of dollars of uh, of uh, weapon we that we left behind. Yeah. Uh, the way that you can see that it was a abysmal failure is they left a an air base just be taken over by um, terrorists.
2: They ran away.
1: And and yeah, and had you know just cra- This president is one of the weakest people I've ever seen. I mean, he's weaker than Carter was. Yeah. He is weaker than what Jimmy Carter was. And that's why we've got Soviet and, and well, not Soviet, but Russian and, and Chinese ship yeah. out by the Aleutian Islands up by Alaska. Now, they're in international waters, but uh, not too long ago, that wouldn't have even happened. Right, They would not have been there at all.
2: They're basically just, it's a sign of in your face. Let me I mean, tell
1: you, I'll give you a good example of this. When I was on Guam, we would get up every morning, and one of the first things we would see as we went to work at the radio station is we could look out on the, the Pacific or the South China Sea, and we could see the Russian trawlers trawling around the island with all their antennas up, trying geez. to pick up all yeah. uh, all kinds of of information uh, from phone calls or whatever. And that went on uh, the first couple of years that I was there because Carter was president. And then, uh, you know, uh, President Reagan got elected. Boom. And guess what disappeared?
2: Yeah, the trawlers. The
1: trawlers. They were out of there. They were gone. We never saw them again. That's a good example of what weak leadership leads to and what strong leadership stops. And, it makes and you, I'll give I'll give the president credit for that.
2: It makes you wonder what what may lie in store before the election, because, you know, if, if we get a, a handle on the voting and all the other things the RNC should be. I mean, these people that are our adversaries are looking at a time window to to get whatever they want to do while Biden is still president. And we don't know. What policies? I mean, you know, everything else that might be compromised from this president before that and just the fact that in general he looks like a weak leader and we're supposed to be the beacon to the world. I mean, I'm going
1: to tell you what, he don't look like a weak leader. He is a weak leader. That's very, very obvious uh, to the world. And. It doesn't matter how many guns and weapons he sends to the Ukraine, he will still look like a weak leader. All right, let's take a break. We'll come back. I want to talk to you about the president of the American Library Association. Pretty interesting who this lady is. The president of the American Library Association. Have you heard about this person? I am not sir. Sure. Okay. Her name is Emily Drabinsky. No. Okay. She is standing by her Marxist views as a backlash grows against the association among Republican lawmakers. Emily Drabinsky is a self-proclaimed Marxist lesbian wow, and took over as president of the ALA in July. The ALA is the largest nonprofit trade organization for libraries uh, recently wielding its influence against efforts to ban sexually explicit content from school libraries and to recommend dozens of LGBT books for minors. The backlash against Drabinsky began over a post she made to social media before taking her spot at the head of the ALA. Quote I just cannot believe that a Marxist lesbian who believes that collective power Is possible to build and can be wielded for a better world is the president elect of the ALA library. Drabinsky wrote in an April 2022 post. I am so excited for what we will do together. Solidarity. And my mom is so proud. I love you, mom. Despite the backlash, she doubled down in an interview with NBC News published on Monday. I was excited to highlight and celebrate two aspects of my identity that are really important to me and are often under a lot of scrutiny, Dravinsky said, adding that she wanted to be an example for other library employees who shared her identities. Wow. So how many... How many library employees are Marxist out
2: there? Mar- yeah, Marxist Not- lesbians.
1: I didn't appreciate these kinds of targeted attacks being used as a bludgeon against library workers across the country. I really think that is regrettable. And uh, I uh, wish that wasn't happening right now. The Montana State Library Commission became the first state commission to leave the ALA over Drabinsky's comments in July. Good for them. Montana State Library Commissioner Tamara Hall praised the decision, calling it a, quote, statement about what's right for Montana. We're pulling out based on the fact that our oath of office for Montana and for the federal government is in direct violation of Drabinsky's Marxist opinion, all said at the time. In addition to Montana lawmakers in other states, including Arizona, Idaho, Illinois, Georgia, Louisiana, South Carolina, Carolina and Wyoming have led calls to separate off from the ALA over concerns about Drabinsky's Marxism and the political agenda. Of D-A-L-A. Hey, how about Arkansas? Let's get Arkansas right. in that as well. I I agree. You know. Wow. I mean, I-
2: just just the fact that we, we are America, so we have these freedoms. And if you want to be a Marxist, you can be a Marxist. But we don't want you in charge of our children. You know, we don't want – we want to keep America – with the american principles and if you're pushing an agenda either unconsciously but obviously it's not unconscious she's very conscious of her of what she wants to do I mean, Yeah, we we need to pull away from that we've got i mean and that just goes i think the whole idea i mean Marxists only can say and do what they say because they have the freedom of this country affords them you know and they want to basically destroy us using our system as what they're doing exactly and these this grooming of children is horrible, and if we don't do something now about these—stand up and say this is wrong and be willing to be called bigots or whatever else you get to be called when you're against communism, then, you know, we've lost our country. You know, Arkansas, seriously, and we've got a lot of strong—especially women uh, that, that are in positions of influence in Arkansas, and a lot of moms have stood up, and uh, we need to can look into that, especially—
1: Well, I'm very interested to see, you know, when I hear, uh, you know, when I'm listening and I hear a librarian like in Saline County. It's so maddening. We have an award-winning library, and all we deal with now is hate
2: and foias. There's nothing wrong with those books. We buy books for everyone in this community. And every child should be heard
1: and seen
2: and supported and not marginalized because they're not white or straight or Christian.
1: Wow. White or straight or Christian. Sounds like a clip from Reno 911. let's, let's Let's get something right for this librarian. You all are the ones that buy the books. Yeah. You're the ones that buy the books, so don't tell me that the books are, you know, just for you know white, straight, Christian right. kids. Because that's just plain, you know, it's B, that that's BS. Isn't that the usual BS? I mean, that's exactly what that we're hearing from these people. It's like saying that lady needs is. to lose her job. Person, I believe she 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 should lose her job uh, as a director of that library. She, and we'll see if the quorum court has uh the the backbone to uh, to do that.
2: She didn't even sound I mean that really sounded more like a spoof than it did a real clip.
1: Well, that's, when you hear a, her speak, that's the real clip, man. Yeah. That's and sure. These,
2: these are the quiet things that are happening. You know, the libraries and different things and it was in schools till COVID and exposed it, but they were just quietly working this agenda slowly, slowly, slowly. And again we're reacting. We're stuck first reacting to stuff and there's so much stuff we can't form together and then we bicker among ourselves rather than looking at the bigger picture but yeah they're taking our children trying to
1: well that's what they, they say that they're going to do I don't need I'm not going to play the chant no. Okay, I could uh, when we had quote pride month
2: oh my god month
1: yeah, it was a month yeah it was a month and they were marching all over the United States chanting the same things oh. at all those areas you know we're here we're queer we're we're coming for your children and that this is not the first year that they that they've done that first time that uh, somebody caught it on audio so that I could use it time and time again here <laughs> on my show because look my dad was right if they say something they mean it
2: yeah
0: and right.
1: that is what they're trying to do uh with your children and it's up to you as a parent uh, or a grandparent, or, uh, I don't know, a godfather or whatever. Community member. To put a stop right. to this kind of stuff. And uh, just know that when you stand up and uh, you stand against it, uh, they're going to put a bullseye on you, and they're going to call you names and whatever. I mean, it's just like the other day, excuse me, that uh, we had the, the women that were talking about, keeping uh transsexual athletes out of uh uh, women's sports and about 350 people showed up and not only did they scream at those people who were speaking some little girls were there as, as well and they got in the faces of the little girls and were screaming at them and and just raising all kinds of cane as well. Speaks to the
2: character of it all. I mean, attacking children, you
1: know. Hey, don't forget, tomorrow, uh, Congressman Hill, Congressman Westerman uh, will be with me in the first hour. Susie Parker will be with me from uh, about 7 o'clock on, and uh, we'll have a lot of things to talk about. She'll have plenty of things to talk about, about what's going on uh, down in the, uh, kind of the, Southwest part of the state. So she'll be talking about all of that. Uh, Jimmy won't be here tomorrow because he's got a doctor's appointment. But a lot of uh, interesting things to be discussed here on the Dave Ellswick show. Yesterday, if you were part of the show, you'll remember that Ann Hopper was on the show. And she mentioned that she went through a Wendy's. And there was a sign that said, excuse the inconvenience, but our AI is learning. You remember that part of the show, uh, Aaron? I've got a story from the Smithsonian Magazine here in front of me dealing with Wendy's. Creepy. It says, Wendy's has announced it will begin testing an AI chatbot that can take orders from customers in drive-thrus. And it's already, it's already underway, this test. This article was written back in May. So it's, it's already quickly uh, moving forward. Insane. The pilot program called Wendy's Fresh AI <laughs> is a partnership with Google and will launch at a restaurant in the Columbus, Ohio area. And uh, it happened in June. Here we are in August, and we're already talking about it here in Arkansas. Uh, with 75 to 80 percent of Wendy's customers preferring to use the drive through the fast food chain CEO Todd Pinneger. Says the company hopes to, quote, take out the slowest point in the order process, and that's ordering at the speaker box. Why is that slow? Because people are involved in it. That's why. All right. So the chat box will be able to converse with you, answer frequently asked questions, and understand made to order requests per a statement. It's also getting trained on Wendy's lingo, including knowing that a JBC is a junior bacon cheeseburger and a Frosty is the company's name for a milkshake Reports Angus Lawton for the Wall Street Journal. It has even been programmed to upsell customers by pushing daily specials or larger sizes. It's going to be really conversational, Pentecourt tells the publication, you won't know you're talking to anybody but an employee. After the customer places their order, the AI will confirm it on a screen, then send it off to the kitchen for the fine co- line cooks, per Bloomberg's uh, uh, Daniela Cortina, <laughs> At the uh, test location, an employee will monitor the AI and it be available in case a customer... Wants to speak to a human. Oh, wow. Wendy's fresh AI is powered by Google's large language models, or models trained on extensive data sets, to find patterns in language and generate words. Large language models also drive the popular AI chat box ChatGPT and Google Bard which have made headlines in recent months for their remarkable ability to give human-like responses to prompts, to avoid concern over AI's potential to manipulate users and spread misinformation. Wendy's fresh AI will likely work a little differently. It has logical and conversational guardrails and was trained on the company's menu and business rules per the statement. Wendy's isn't the only fast food chain to experiment with AI. In 2022, Popeye's launched a chatbot called Tori at a restaurant in Louisiana. The uh, AI increased speed of service by 20%, drive sales by 150%, and customer satisfaction by another 20%. Carl's Jr. and Hardee's have also implemented A1, uh, powered voice ordering at some drive-thru locations, and recently announced they plan to roll out the tech at restaurants nationwide now. Wendy says its AI isn't intended to replace human employees. That's their first big lie in this story. Of course it is, is because labor is the most uh, expensive part of running a business uh, instead, it, it plans on, quote, shifting crew responsibilities to meet the increased volume of Wendy's orders expected in the drive through and across our growing digital channels. A spokesperson for Wendy's uh, tells Entrepreneurs Magazine. But tech leaders, including the AI pioneer Jeffrey Hinton, have raised concerns about the technology upending the job market. Goldman Sachs, economist, recently estimated as many as 300 million full-time jobs worldwide could be replaced by automation. Uh, Krishna uh, Kupta, the automation chairman and interim CEO for Presto, which provides AI-powered tech for restaurants like McDonald's and Chili's, tells Bloomberg Technologies' Ed Ludlow, He envisions AI completely replacing humans at drive-thrus. I don't think. uh, I don't think. Now, you see, a moment ago, you you said during the break, boy, it'd be amazing to see what this is going to be like in a decade, you know? Right. Here, listen to this guy's statement. I don't believe in three years there's going to be a single drive-thru having a human take your order. He says in Bloomberg Technology, voice bots, whether that's ours or someone else's, will be pervasive. They will never get tired of delivering perfect service, upselling the customer, and ultimately delivering a lower cost, high revenue experience to consumers.
2: To the owners,
1: maybe. Three years. All right, so, okay, so 2023, they're saying by 2026. And before even then, it'd be a majority. You'll be talking to a machine all the time.
2: Well, and I don't even like using those apps that you place your order on, and you can't actually talk to a human and get your order because you're not sure. So I don't know if maybe the service will be better, but it's just the idea that it's learning, like how... How far is this going to go? Because it can just continuously learn. I
1: saw a uh, a show on Netflix, and it was talking about the future. Mm-hmm. And they have a machine right now that can fry hamburgers and make them to order.
2: I think I saw that, yeah.
1: And make them to order, and the they only have one person working in that hamburger chain's Wow. When people come. One person. Think about how many people you see right now in there. And think about one person only. Well, it's like. Doing all of that.
2: The results of what we were kind of talking about when people push for $17, $18 an hour for an entry-level job that you're supposed to get out of high school. Mm. I mean, that's what it was intended for. But, not, but that's what, you know, we do is get a smaller job and I mean you push the cost that high the owners are going to and then can on see, top out, of that
1: kids don't want to do the jobs
2: well I was going to say maybe they do have better the AI does have better service because it's not some snarky the kids don't want to do
1: it and I don't have to worry about some kid in the back spitting, your spitting in <laughs> my food I hate to say that but it does happen from time uh, to time alright well, let's take a break and uh, we'll finish up when we come back. Pat Davis wants you to know that his family and uh, the health plan man family want you to know that they can save you thousands of dollars on your uh, your health premium, thirty to fifty percent, whatever you're paying on your, your health p- uh, premium. Uh, most people, or I would say, if it's you, your wife, and uh, a couple of kids, it's probably pretty close to a thousand dollars you know, for your health premium. If I could save you 50% on that, would that be worth a phone call? And on top of that, what if you didn't have any copays with it? And on top of that, what if you could cut your deductible maybe by 50%? That's a lot of money when you add it all up in the course of a month and then multiply it out by 12 course of a year and then multiply, you know, do the math. Just do the math. How much would that 10... The 15-minute phone call be worth to you at least thousands of dollars a year, so you can call or text 15016056935. It's 15016056935. Get all your questions answered and start saving money today, or visit them online. Yourhealthplanman.com. Don't forget a couple of things today that uh, came up. One on the twenty third of August. Uh that'll be the first uh, Republican debate. I know it's not that far away. It's not. I mean it's it's a lot closer to uh than what we've been thinking about. I mean uh today is the eighth. It's quick. It's fine. So uh the twenty and that's whose birthday that you knew of? Your son's?
2: My son's is today. Okay. And then Eric's is on the twenty ninth is the twenty ninth of this month.
1: Okay, so he's How old is he going to be, 21?
2: Well, he's five, yeah, he's five years younger than me, so. Yeah,
1: 21 years old. Yeah, because
2: I mean, I stopped at 27, so.
1: (laughs) So anyway, on the 23rd, just so you'll know, on the 23rd, uh, we're going to be over at the Hillcrest U.S. Pizza, and we will be uh, getting together to watch the debate and. uh, Without Trump. and, And talk about anything. We won't, yeah, well, that's his, it's his choice. Uh, and uh, and talk about what uh, the Republicans are talking about and what we thought uh, about uh, their their thoughts and in, in action. So we'll we'll have that to to do. Uh, Good tailgate party third thing. Well, that's what it'd be. You yeah. We we won't because of it, it's being put on by uh, uh, the whole thing's American for prosperity. It's it uh, it can't be a, a Republican deal. So you can't right. wear any shirt or anything for any candidate. I only you need more just things show up.
2: That just for people to just show up at.
1: Show up and we'll hash it out. We're gonna they're gonna they're gonna buy the pizza and, and the salads and the drinks and uh, uh non alcoholic drinks, <laughs> and uh, and then we'll sit around and talk about it afterwards. And I may bring a recorder over to record some of the uh, conversations that we have so that Clips. I can play it back on on the air and you can hear what people had to say uh, the night of that. Uh, uh, you
2: know, Governor DeSantis got some got, yeah. a, got a lot rolling on him after he said, "Yes, of course, Trump lost the election." Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I know he just lost a whole ton of support when he said that. Whether he was, tr- I don't know if he was trying to say you can't, you know. And then he went on to say that you can't, uh, you know, disagree that there were a lot of variables and such and this. But the clip is just, of course, you know, he. So it's good to have clips. You know, he lost the election.
1: We'll be playing. We'll be playing him. Well, he was the candidate. Okay. I mean, whether you believe that there was there was some kind of fix in or whatever, he's the guy who lost. It wasn't Supposedly, somebody else. Yeah. It wasn't somebody else. So that uh, that's something that we'll be um, we'll be probably talking about uh, during the evening. Uh, why we get there, but who can turn down free pizza? And or a free salad. I know. Come, Salads on, man. Are expensive. Come on. It's gonna be it's gonna be there for you to, to take in and, and to uh in, in enjoy about that. They make good pizza too. All right. So anyway, be a lot of fun. Uh I'm looking forward to it. That's something that I, I like to do is to get out with folks uh when they're having uh, debates and everybody can have their say about you know, what they think about what's What's going down? Yeah. It's going down. <laughs> you know, it's just and and it's also to let you know that we're not that far from the election cycle really Picking firing up. up. Yeah. I mean and getting getting going big time. It's not just us, it be doing the Democrats would be doing it as well. They of course should be. they won't have much to talk about here in Arkansas, but uh, you know, they'll have things they want to talk about nationally, I'm sure, uh, about what's going on. And uh, we've got to see what's going to go on as far as that uh, library association with the Marxist lady in charge of Marxist pronounce. lesbian uh, It's it's you know we need to get out of that. Yeah, know, she's all loud and proud. No, oh, yeah, she's you know she's proud about her you know Negative being a lesbian, but she's she's proud about being a Marxist. Right. I mean, big time proud about being a Marxist. That in of it, in itself drives me crazy. All right. So uh, let's see. Tomorrow uh, we'll talk to uh, Congressman Hill from District two, Congressman Westerman from District four uh, and uh, and uh, discuss what's going on in D.C. with them. Uh, part of it is going to be some of the things that uh, uh, Simone, Ryan and I talked about earlier uh, Now, they're in the House, but I do want to bring up Senate Bill 772 and 135. 772, Responsible Budget Targets Act. Uh, It's a bill that aims to establish comprehensive statutory budget targets to phase out deficits. And uh, Senate Bill 135, Prevent Government Shutdowns uh, Act. This legislation would be designed to replace the shutdown brinkmanship, with a more inclusive appropriation of process. And what they mean by that is, look, the House, when the Republicans are in charge, try to do this. They take, I think it's 12 to 12 different bills that Mm -hmm. they have to pass, and they try to pass them separately and then send them over to the Senate, who is supposed to take them up separately. And pass them as well. But the problem is the Senate typically doesn't do that, and we end up with a big omnibus bill, right. which nobody likes as far as I'm concerned. So uh, that would be something to talk about. And the Senate Joint Resolution 19, uh, I want to see that become a bill instead of joint resolu- resolution. Principles-based balanced budget amendment. Uh, this proposal sets out broad principles for a balanced budget the details will be filled in by the statute, similar to existing prevention, uh, provisions of the Constitution. So it uh, be something uh, to talk further about. And just talking about where are we at right now as a nation, uh, you know, the Fitch Ratings downgraded the U.S. federal debt from AAA to AA+. it's ridiculous. Predicted fiscal deterioration over the next three years with the federal deficit increasing from 3.7% of GDP in 2022 to 6.9% in 2025. Uh, The debt-to-GDP ratio is expected to rise from 112.9% this year to 118.4% by 2025, which is two times, two and a half times, the AAA median of 39.3% of GDP. Let me just put it that way. If, if you had that type of uh GDP ratio, your ratio of the money that you make versus the money that you borrow, right? You wouldn't be able to borrow squat.
2: This is a clown show.
1: You wouldn't be able to do I'm any of it. Run. So we'll we'll talk to all of, we'll talk about all of this tomorrow. It's something that needs to be discussed and discussed very, very seriously. But first hour at seven o'clock, it'll be uh, uh, state—not uh, uh, state. It'll be Congressman uh, Hill with us, and then Congressman Westerman with us at seven thirty-five. I can tell you right now, what I just talked about there in that few last moments is going to be the major talking points that we'll have uh, tomorrow. Does, the budget is on the front burner today and tomorrow. We
2: need to have, see what issues they can get support of, if any, which I doubt Appreciate you coming here. Oh, it was a great thanks day. For I'm coming still by.
1: <laughs> we had a good, We had a good day today. It was a good show. Uh, my thanks to Ryan Norris, who is the State Director. <laughs> I got it right. State Director of Americans for Prosperity. Not Comrade. For, chief. Yeah, not Comrade. Uh, for joining us here on the Dave Ellswick Show. I'll see you tomorrow morning, 7 a.m.